From the moment in 2015 when he announced he was going to run to become US President, Donald Trump has been in world news. He's dominated world news. Every day for five years, all over the world, it was Donald Trump has said this. Donald Trump is alleged to have said that and what other people said about him. Yet something very odd has happened. Since the beginning of this year, outside the United States, he's virtually disappeared. Has he been silenced? Is it voluntary? What is going on? Well, today, we're going to find out. We're going to break that. And the first big foreign interview that Donald Trump has done, this is Trump Speaks to the World with me, Nigel Farage, here on GB News. Good to see you. Well, I didn't know I was so quiet, but uh, if you say so, that's okay with me. Well, around the rest of the world, yeah, I know in America, of course, they're still talking about you, but it's almost as if you've disappeared. And I wonder, is that because of social media to a very, very large extent? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I have not heard that, but it's possibly so. I have a lot of things to say, and sometimes I want to say them, and sometimes I don't feel it's appropriate to say them based on the position. Uh, we had a great election. We ended up, uh, it was a rigged election, unfortunately. We got more votes than any sitting president in history by far, 75 million votes. More than 12 million what we, that we had from the previous election, which was about 63 million votes. Uh, I think we've, uh, we've said a lot about a lot of things, and certainly there's a lot to talk about. If you look at what's going on in uh, Afghanistan with the oh, yeah. withdrawal, which was, I think, the most embarrassing moment in the history of our country. And you look at our borders, what's happening with our borders. You look at the cost of energy. We were energy independent, and we no longer are. You look at so many different things. You and I could talk all day. Yeah. And it's a shame what's happened to the United States. But we've not heard you through, I guess, through Twitter. Um, it was, was for you, you know, something that you used to massive effect. Yeah. Oh, Jack Dorsey is being removed as uh, CEO of Twitter because of shareholder pressure. But whether that means they'll improve uh, as a channel or not. I mean, I was amazed the day that the Taliban, you mentioned Afghanistan a moment ago, the day the Taliban took over Kabul, I did put out a message that said it seemed ridiculous that their leadership was still active on Twitter, and yet you were still banned. Well, they were wrong in what they did, and we're dealing with the United States president, who's obviously a popular president from based on everything that you see, and, and uh, them and Facebook, and I think they made a big mistake. I think if they had it to do over again, they wouldn't be doing it. Uh, we are... Uh, you know, we get the voice out. We have to do it. We have a, an obligation to do that. But he's leaving. I guess it was probably enforced because they're down. And also, there's no excitement on Twitter anymore, as I understand. There used to be well, a lot I of excitement. Not only me, conservative point. people are, are leaving and being canceled. So they're canceled, they're leaving. And in my case, you know, we used to get tremendous interaction with liberals and, uh, and everybody else. And now they just say it's a very boring place to be, Twitter. It's going down. The numbers are going way down. No, they are. On the election, as you say, you've got 11 million votes more than you got in 2016. Because we know what happened. You know, 29th of February last year, I was with you backstage at CPAC. Right. And I thought, he's going to win 40 states. I mean, things were looking terrific. The pandemic hit. And then you, you kind of got criticised from both sides. Biden said you were xenophobic because you closed the borders. You, you said, we don't want foreign air travel. We don't want this virus being brought in. Uh, the other side said you didn't lock down hard enough. I mean, difficult in a pandemic to win as a president, as a leader. But the real effect, of course, was, for the first time ever in America, tens of millions of ballots being sent out yep. through the mail system. Yeah. 
Well, they use COVID, or the China virus, as I call it, uh, to rob and rig and steal an election. And they sent out millions and millions of ballots. Nobody knows where they went in so many cases, and it was a disgrace. And everybody knows it. You look at even polls now, a big percentage of our country knows it. And it's very bad for democracy. Very, very bad for the democracy. The problem was, in so many of these states, because they'd never seen it before, kind of what they did in, in, in collecting the votes yeah. wasn't against the law, and that was part of the problem. Well, but they didn't get it approved in many cases by legislatures, and you have to, so therefore it is against the law. Uh, it wasn't approved by state legislatures. You know, you can't do it even through a court, you can't do it. It has to go through the legislature, and the legislatures didn't approve this stuff, and the courts didn't have the courage to take it up. And so it's uh, an interesting situation, but no, we'll see how it all ends out. It's, I mean, a uh, lot of Americans, as you rightly say, yeah. a lot of Americans are genuinely concerned about election integrity. And I have to tell you, from my experience back in the UK, yeah. mass postal voting, you know, leads to the wrong results very often. Absolutely. Automatically, by the way. It, it's a bad system. They cheat. It's, it's automatic. I mean, they put everybody on, there millions of people on the honor system. Now there's tremendous cheating with that. And... You know, they've done uh, studies on it. Everybody knows it. Every study comes out, you can't do it through the mail. You can't do it. These mail-in ballots are, whether it's your country, whether yes. it's the USA, it's, uh, it's here's an the open invitation to cheat. But here's the problem. I've seen some pretty extensive private polling that suggests that up to 20% of your potential voters and supporters feel so demotivated by the message that it's been rigged, that it's not fair, that it's not just, that in Georgia, for example, in that special election, you know, which was the one that tipped the balance in the Senate, there were a number that perhaps didn't go out to vote who would have done because they felt disgusted with the whole system. Well, but they felt the election was rigged, the preceding election, which was the presidential election, yeah. and then when they had to vote a couple of months later, they really did lose their enthusiasm, and frankly, rightfully so. They, f they had no — the governor of Georgia did a terrible job, like just terrible, having to do with election integrity. And, yeah, they felt they, uh, they were — an election was rigged and stolen, and I would say they didn't have the, uh, the enthusiasm to go out and vote. And I understand that. Now, one other thing. Mitch McConnell did a terrible job, because this guy's talking about $600 giving during this troubled time, giving, and they're talking about $2,000. Uh, you don't win elections that way. Now, right or wrong, you just don't win elections that way. So Mitch McConnell was a disaster, and I think that really they did get a lot of votes, but a lot of people were discouraged, there's no question about yeah, it. Yeah, I'm sure of that. So looking ahead, you know, from here, yeah. is the message to look back at November 2020 and to condemn and criticize much of what happened? Yeah. Or is the message to look forward and try and make sure that that, that, that weakness in the system yeah. can't exist again. I think it's both. I think it has to be both. We have a base in Alabama, as an example, at 69,000 people recently show up. Wherever I go, we get, I think I'm getting bigger crowds now at the rallies, and you know the rallies because yeah, you've been to plenty of yeah, them. Yeah. I have the biggest crowds I've ever had. And I think it has to be both because if you don't study what took place and do something about it, if possible, I think they're going to do something about it. I don't view that as a foregone conclusion. If you don't look back, you really can't look to the future. But I think it's really a combination of both, and very strong to the future, but also it's very strong looking back. People don't want that to happen again. No, and voter ID. I mean, for example. Voter ID is very There's important. an overwhelming majority 
And it's not just Republican voters or Democrat voters who think voter ID makes sense and we've got to have free and fair. Right. If we didn't elections. have the, as an example, if we didn't have what happened in 2020, all of these legislatures and all of these people that are meeting and passing voter ID now would have never happened. So, you know, looking back is okay. You have to look both ways, but you can't forget about what happened. And if you did, you wouldn't have all of the things that are happening now happen. And there's some very exciting things. But one of the big things is voter ID. And you have to stop the mail-in voting. The mail-in voting is, is just uh, ripe for fraud, and that's what it was. Well, I'm keen to look ahead with this conversation. One last point about the past. 6th of January, which is something that your opponents gleefully yeah. seized upon, particularly, uh, you know, the social media giants on the West Coast and everybody else. And I know that you were willfully misquoted in terms of what you'd said that true. day. true. In, in many different ways. No, no, you were saying, go in peace, and I understand right. that, and I get that. Looking back on the 6th of January, was it a mistake to have had that rally on that day? Or well, not? you know, I didn't have... There was a rally that was there, and if you look, it was a massive rally with hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people. I think it was the largest crowd I've ever spoken before. And the real, and I, I reverse it, the insurrection took place on November 3rd. That was election day. And before and after. That was, to me, the insurrection. And the January 6th was a protest. But if you would have looked at the crowds, the size, nobody wants to talk about that. I believe it was the biggest and most people I, and I've spoken to very big crowds. I have never spoken in front of a crowd that size. Nobody ever talks sure. about that. And then, unfortunately, some bad things happened. But also, uh, the other side had some very bad things happen. And, and add this, I offered 10,000 and suggested 10,000 National Guardsmen. We want the National Guard to be there, 10,000, or even the military, because I knew the crowd was going to be Massive, because I knew the, the anger that took place over the election being rigged. And I understood that. I understood it better than anybody. And Pelosi and these people turned it down. We would have had tremendous security, but they turned and it down. And that would have stopped people going into oh, the Oh, that would have, well, it would have stopped any problem. Absolutely. They turned it down. Also, as you know, the uh, police, I guess they say, were not uh, given proper instructions by Capitol Hill, which is Pelosi. They were given some very bad instructions. So if you look at what happened and go back and mm. really study it, they were so angered and so upset. And so, they, I mean, people crying. They were so angered by it. Now, if you lost the election, people don't act yeah. that way. But they knew that we won the election, and they went there. But to me, the real insurrection, if you look at it, took place on Election Day. Now, either way, we've got Biden and Harris in office, and they've got plummeting poll ratings, and yeah. we've got a border crisis, as you quite rightly said, yeah. uh, law and order, um, the Black Lives Matter movement, which is now becoming increasingly, I think, political, don't you? It, yeah. it's well, not, it's shocking that it started off, uh, you know, with pigs in a blanket, right? You know that, right? Yeah, yeah. You know the expression, yeah. fry them like bacon. And they were, I was about our police, our great police. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, this becomes mainstream? I don't really think so. And uh, Antifa, bad, very bad. And they had Antifa in that rally. They had Antifa leading a lot of people on that day, on January. And I will say that uh, it's pretty incredible that nothing happens to them. But the other side, this has been going on for many years. So they're, the not, just side, about, they're not just about racial equality, then? 
Well, I think they're about politics, but I think they're about a lot of other things. If you go back to their, their original founding of what they were saying, kill the police. What they're saying is kill the police. And that becomes mainstream. Not good. No, not good. We've seen specimens of it, of course, over you in the UK, and we've yeah. seen Churchill's statue defaced and all of these yeah. things. Well, you saw Churchill's uh, beautiful bust being removed from the White House. When I got there, I said, send it back. They called, would you like to have the bust of Winston Churchill, a great one, right? Yep. Even you would say that, yeah, yeah. Nigel. Absolutely. And I said, I absolutely want it explained. And as you know, President Obama, I believe, sent it back. He didn't want it. And I said, let's bring it no, back. No, well, Joe Biden, got rid, Joe Biden got rid of it on the first day. Which oh, says, did he? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That, no, which is why, I'm of course, surprised. there's been no advancement with trade deals and all the rest I of mean, it. I mean, why would you do that with Winston Churchill and you're trying to get along with your country and you send, it's such a, a token, but such an important token. No, I had it back for my entire time. It was there. I looked, yeah. he was a very handsome man. <laughs> He's a very brave man, too. But Biden, G7, Biden turns up at the G7, and this was before he let everybody down in right. Afghanistan, and, right. and, and which, which leaves us wondering, where is America in the world now? I mean, we've got big threats, haven't we? We've got a lot of Russian troops on the Ukrainian border. Yep. We've got China, uh, ever more bellicose in their statements about Taiwan. We've got Iran. I mean, can you believe it? Negotiations are going on this week with Iran and the, Israel and, and the Israelis are very, very scared. Where is America in the world right now? I think it's at the lowest point it's ever been at. I don't think it's ever been in a position like this. We're not respected anymore. I will tell you, there were no planes flying over Taiwan. And the, the name wasn't even mentioned. You didn't talk about Taiwan when I was president. It wasn't going to happen, what they're doing now. And they'll wait till after the Olympics, I assume, and perhaps something will happen. But it's not good if you're there and you have bombers flying over your, your country constantly, which is constant. Uh, with Russia, we had no problem. I had no problem with, you didn't mention North Korea, Kim Jong-un. No, no, when you crossed the line and you... <laughs> I, I got along with him, great. I got along with him almost as well as a... Little rocket man, you. you called him. I did, but then we became very friendly, like <laughs> you, he, sort of like you. He forgave, he forgave you. But you know, the truth, we, we didn't have a problem, and now you've got a problem with them too. You didn't mention that one, and, and yep. honestly, that's a big problem, because he does have serious nuclear power. And, uh, and many other things, uh, if you take a look at energy independence, we're energy independent, mm. first time ever, and now we are going and begging for oil. We're going back begging for oil. We go to Saudi Arabia, we go to Russia, OPEC. We go and say, please give us oil. We had so much oil, we didn't know what to do with it. A gallon of gasoline was 187 when I left. Now it's going to be $7.50 in California. Yeah. And the big thing is going to be inflation, because the inflation, and it's hitting you too. It hits yeah, yeah. everybody now. Yeah, yeah. But the inflation is at a level maybe that we've, we haven't seen for, I guess, 40, 50 years. Yes, yeah, 40 years. It's, it's a big problem. And yet the strange thing is, Boris Johnson, and you've always been very generous yeah. about Boris Johnson, and you, and you wanted to see the agony of Brexit not being completed. Well, we wanted to see that got over the line, and it was. And yet Boris Johnson seems to have bonded with Joe Biden over wind energy, over net zero, over COP26 in the most extraordinary way. What do you make of these promises for net zero? Well, I think wind is, I think it's ridiculous. And I think wind is a horrible thing for Scotland. And I got to see it because I own great properties in Scotland and 
Ireland. And I look at these magnificent fields with these horrible windmills all over them. And windmills is a nice term, I guess turbines. Mm. And they're starting to rust because once they're there for a couple of years, they start to rust and wear out and look terrible, look even worse. And I'm looking at it and, you know, you're talking about a place that really has a lot of energy in so many different ways. You have a lot of hydro, but you have a lot of energy. And when I look at all of these things that need subsidy because they don't work without subsidy, they need subsidy. And what so many countries, not just your country, not just UK, UK, it's all over the place. You fly over, I'm saying, what a shame what they've done. Well, and you know that environmentalists are liking this stuff. I think they, I think they hate the world. Well, Boris says we're going to be the Saudi Arabia of wind, which is well, all well and good when the wind blows. I think it's a shame. I think it's a shame. I'm in Aberdeen. They built this ugly wind farm in the ocean. It's so disgusting to look at it. It's, uh, it's a shame. Uh, I built one of the most beautiful, one of the greatest golf courses. It's been so reviewed in the world. And now you look at, you know, not very far off. You know, when these things are 20 and 30 stories tall, the monsters, they can be far out and they're not far yeah. out. They're right on top of you. No, I think it's a shame what's happened in, uh, in Scotland, in UK, it, all over the place. You take a look. I think Ireland's been better about it if you want to know the truth, they've been tougher. But so, and other countries are getting tougher. But wind is the most expensive form of energy. And remember, every 10 years, you have to replace those monsters. And a lot of times, they don't bother. You know what they do? They just let them rot. They kill all the birds. No, but Boris they are is, so bad. But Boris is he's hooked well, he's on wrong. this. Boris um, is wrong. If he's, if he's going heavy into wind, I mean, you're telling me, but if he's going heavy into wind, he is. he's wrong. He's yeah, making he a is. big mistake. He is. You've always been nice about him, but he's, he's... No, I like him. I like him. I get along with him. I've always gotten along with him. Uh, he's gone a little bit on the uh, more liberal side. But I'll tell you, with energy, I'm surprised that he would allow that to happen because you have one of the most beautiful countries in the world, and you're destroying it with all these wind turbines all over the place. Yeah, well, I and you don't need them. I have to say, I'm not a great fan of them. And net zero, what does net zero mean? I mean, you know, if the Biden administration, if the Democrats were to stay in for the next twenty or thirty years, what would that mean for the American? I think the carbon taxes that they want to put on countries and people and companies, I think it's ridiculous. And uh, look, we have in our case, liquid gold, they're taking it away from us by not letting us use it. It's liquid gold. And natural gas is very clean. It works out very well. But you have clean coal, even. But you have — we have resources in the U.S. that are incredible. And the enemy is making us feel badly about it and taking it away, putting our companies at a big disadvantage. We were at a position the likes of which we've never seen just a year ago. And now people can't get gasoline for their car. Or if they do, they have to pay so much. It's, a, it's very sad. Now, in your country, which I do know something about, I own Turnberry. I own great properties in your country. Yeah. I mean, just great properties. I love it. I love your people. I love everything about it. I got along great with Boris. But I see what they're doing, and I think they're making a tremendous mistake. You also got on well with the Queen. You really enjoyed. I did. You really enjoyed. I that, think didn't she's you? a fantastic woman. She is a fantastic woman. Uh, I was supposed to spend like a half an hour with her. I ended up being there for much more than an hour, and everyone said, "Oh, that's so rude." But I said, "No." But she liked it, and I liked it. I'm not going to be rude. And we had a great time together. We then had a, an evening, the likes of which you rarely would. See, and I think she really, she was laughing and smiling. We got along great. We talked the whole night. She is a great, wonderful woman. 
Yeah, well, she's been there nearly 70 years now on the throne. Yeah, it's she's incredible, doing... and she's still head of state in Canada or Australia. I mean, it's unbelievable. And respected by everyone. Yeah. And no scandal, no anything. Think of it. She's done this for more than 70 I years, know. and she's never had scandal about herself. No. No scandal, no anything. She's an incredible woman. No, and she's had a very tough year. You know, she lost her husband she did. this year. Tough year. You know, they were married over 70 years, right. Right. and she's been ill. She's, you know, had to withdraw from one or two public engagements. Hopefully not very ill, though. I've been watching it closely because I love her. I think she's great. You know, my mother was born in Scotland. My mother loved, she came over here at about 19 years old, met my father. They were married for many, many years. They were married like, they had a great marriage. But she left Scotland. She'd go back once a year religiously. But she was really somebody that respected the Queen. She loved the Queen. Anything with the Queen, when they were doing anything ceremonial, mm. as an example, mm. she'd be glued to the television. But she had great respect and love for the Queen. Well, and hundreds of millions around the world. That's true. Respect this That's woman. True. I mean, in the most astonishing way. That's and true. I, and, I, and I, I know your enthusiasm for it. Yet her son, Charles, who would be the natural successor, and uh, you had a meeting with Charles. And I it did. Was, it was reported by one of your former press secretaries that you were somewhat bored by the meeting. That I was? Yeah. No, I wasn't bored. I liked Charles. I thought he was great. No, he's an environmentalist. He talked about the environment mm. most of the meeting, which was fine. I mean, I understood that was the purpose of the meeting, and he was telling me his views. I was not bored at all. No, I think Charles is a wonderful person. Okay. Now, I, somebody you may not think is quite as wonderful is a recent British export to America. Uh, and I think we're kind of quite pleased to have got rid of him, really, is Prince Harry, of course. Yeah. And Meghan living over here, uh, being not only disobliging uh, about you at every given opportunity, but actually the entirety of the conservative movement. Uh, and now we hear that she's ringing up senators, ringing up members of Congress, uh, lobbying for law changes, and doing some of this on headed paper that says the Duchess. Yeah. Of Sussex, yeah. and, and we saw that we saw the Oprah Winfrey interview, and it turned out later a lot of what she said simply just wasn't true. Yeah, should she go into American politics? I'm not a fan of hers. I wasn't from day one. I think Harry has been used horribly. I think someday he will regret it. You know, a lot of people are saying I'm very good at the prediction business. I think someday he will regret it. He probably does already. But I'm not a fan of hers at all. And I think she's very disrespectful to the Queen that we just spoke about, yeah. who's such a great woman, who's such a great person, a historic person. I think she's very disrespectful to the royal family, uh, but maybe most importantly to the Queen. And I, I just, uh, from day one, I never got it. I never got mm. it. I see her, I listen to her. She's trying to do things that I think are inappropriate, very inappropriate. But I think Harry's been used and been used terribly. It's ruined his relationship with his family. Completely. And it's really, really, I think, uh, I think it hurts the Queen. Yeah, and you can't use a royal title and get involved Well, in I didn't America know she affairs. was doing that, but well, certainly she has been doing it. it's yeah. not appropriate. And let's finish off back here in America. Uh, Big victory, uh, Youngkin, big victory the yeah. other week. Okay. Uh, Virginia, you know, he won uh, that race, won it very, very comfortably right. to be the governor. Um, and what was interesting, I thought, was he was actually getting votes in Northern Virginia. And he was getting votes very much on just ordinary parents 
living in suburbia, right. that don't want their kids taught critical race theory. That's true. They're not believers. Don't want their kids to be told America's rubbish. Right. You know? You did well with your base. Phenomenal. I've never seen support like it. You did well with the black community. And by the way, Yunkin, who's a very good man, yeah. did very well with my base. And I did a tele-town hall call, had massive numbers of people on that call get out and vote. And my base got out and voted for him. And that was a great victory for the Republican Party. And we had many other great victories that night. You know, we, we swept the land. We'd had tremendous success. No, no, they were, no, they were, they, they we were had big tremendous results. success. They were big it's, results. It's really great. Things but are happening. Things are happening. You got, those, you got the black vote up significantly for the Republicans. Right. That was a big achievement. I did. You had a problem in suburbia. Suburban voters were a bit reluctant. Maybe they found... See, I don't believe that. I you, think you, I did you, very well there. And, and the other thing, okay. I did great with Hispanics. You know, the Hispanic vote, yeah. for me, is legendary, the numbers. Nobody's ever seen anything like it. A report came out literally an hour ago talking about how well I've done with the Hispanic vote. A number that nobody's ever had before as a Republican. A number that's really game-changing. It's a, it's a, you know, they're great people. Yeah, and, and, and yet they, of course, who've come legally to yeah, America. That's right. Just as we have a border crisis, we've got these little boats crossing the English Channel. Yeah, right. You've got the southern border crisis. I was down in Arizona in May looking at it. I couldn't believe the scale of it. How big a political issue? Because in, in the UK, our border issue is becoming the number one political issue. How big is it here? So I got elected in 2016 because of the border and other things. And in 2020, I didn't talk about the border. You know why? Because I did such a good job, it was no longer mm. an issue. Mm. But still, I got many more votes. So, you know, I guess it wasn't as important. Now it's the biggest issue again. Yeah. But now it's worse than it ever was in the history of our country. We never had a problem like we have now with the border. I did the best job. We had the best border situation in the history of our country, just like I created the best economy in the history of our country. But we had the best border, and now we have, a year later, the worst border. Millions of people are coming in unvetted, unchecked. It's a disgrace what's happened. It's a very big issue. Yeah, but it is for us too. Should we stop the boats coming across the English Channel, in our case? Let me work about the bar. How about if I just work on You solve this border out mind? first. Let me, solve, let me solve this problem it first. It is. So here you are, at Mar-a-Lago. Magnificent place. You've got your family around you. Yeah. You've had so many great things you've done in your life. You know, business, real estate, television. You've been the 45th president of the United States. And yet, from day one, they made your life hell the Russia hoax, a whole load of conspiracies, yeah. untruths. You know, I saw you doing some of that going through it. They put you through impeachments, uh, mainstream two, two media. Two fake impeachments, Russia, 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 which now turned out to be a total hoax. Yep. And everybody knows it. And they should take away the Pulitzer Prizes from writers that knowingly, in most cases, were writing about fiction. It was pure fiction. Yeah. Turned out that And Hunter like, Biden can do what he likes and no one cares. And we know all that. Yeah. Why would a man who's got all the things that you've got. That may be your best question. Why would a man who's got all the things you've got, great family, wonderful life, you're fit, you're looking fit, why on earth would he consider going back into that hell again? So I love our country. I brought the country to a level it's never seen before. Then we had COVID come in, and then I brought it back, came up with vaccines that you're using, we're all using, the world is using, saved tens of millions of people throughout the world. 
in less than nine months. It was supposed to take 12 years. Just heard the other day, they were expecting it to take 12 years. And everyone said it wasn't going to work, and they work incredibly well. We've done an amazing job. If you love the country, you have no choice. It's not a question. It's just, this is a wonderful, beautiful life. But I like that, too, because I was helping people. That's why I did it. And uh, I think you'll be happy in the future, too, because that'll be your next question. But you'll be happy in the future. Well, I, I know so. you can't answer that question, because it would start the campaign clock ticking. That's right. But we've got the midterms coming up in less than a year. Are you going to be out on the campaign Yes, trail? I will. I'll be helping a lot of people. We've been endorsing candidates. I'm 152 and 2. My endorsement, 152 wins yep. and two losses. Okay. And those two losses were actually by people that were the people that won were more Trump than I was, okay? So they won. But what happened is, uh, every, what's happening is everybody wants the endorsement has become very important. The most important and the most powerful endorsement that our country has seen. And so I have an obligation to make sure the right people get in. And we have many, many people online. Actually, when I leave here right now, yep. I've got four candidates that won an endorsement. It's a very important job because we're going to have a big I think we're going to have a very big 22, and I think we're going to have an even bigger 24. Donald Trump, thank, thank you. you for joining us on GB News. Thank you very much.